I'm sports attorney Luke Fedlam, and welcome to the Protecting Your Possibilities podcast. Each conversation, we focus on sharing information and having conversations around how athletes can best educate and protect themselves for their life outside of their sports. Welcome to the Protecting Your Possibilities podcast. I'm Luke Fedlam, your host, and I am excited to be joined today by my colleague here at Porter Wright, Jillian Bradshaw. Jillian is a senior associate in our firm's labor and employment department. Uh, She works with a host of educational institutions on a variety of matters. And the reason why we're here today um, having a conversation is uh, based on name, image, and likeness and Title IX. So first, Jillian, how are you? Thanks for joining the Protecting Your Possibilities podcast. Luke, what's up, man? I am I am awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This is cool. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, let's let's just get right into it. Um, because I think I've been involved in a lot of different conversations as it relates to name, image, and likeness, what the potential rule changes might be, um, the impact, what the structure might look like. But there's one constant kind of question that keeps coming up, which is what is going to be the impact as it relates to to Title IX um, and name, image, and likeness? And so I think probably the, the best place to start as a as a wise philosopher once said is at the beginning. So maybe you could give us just a, a little snippet about what exactly is Title IX, right? What does it even mean before we even talk about it in the name, image, and likeness context? Just what does it mean generally? Sure. Great question, Luke. So I'll take us back to, uh, you know, the 1970s, uh, specifically 1972, when Title IX sort of came about. Um, And and it says in its purest form, it says no person in the United States shall on the basis of sex be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under an education program or an activity receiving federal financial assistance. So, you know, if, if we boil that down, if we take that overarching piece of law and we boil it down uh, to the sphere of athletics, specifically in the college realm, for schools, they need to, in order to comply with Title IX, ensure that they are offering equitable treatment of both male and female student-athletes uh, in the areas of things like participation, financial aid, equipment, travel, uh, publicity, et cetera. Okay. So, so equitable treatment. Um, when I, when I think about kind of your analysis of, of title nine, that's something that really sticks with me is equitable treatment. So let's bring it up to the name, image, and likeness context then right now, you know, full disclaimer, the rules have not changed yet as it relates to name, image, and likeness. What we've seen are, uh, recommendations made by the working group, um, that will go through the kind of internal rulemaking process at the NCAA, They'll be presented um, to the Board of Governors and voted upon by the Board of Governors of the NCAA in January of 2021 to ultimately go into effect in time for the 2021-2022 academic year. With that mouthful of a disclaimer said, (laughs) let's talk about then, I guess, kind of some thoughts as it relates to uh, name, image, and likeness in this new regime where athletes can be potentially compensated for marketing opportunities and for the, the the licensing or use of their their name, their image, or their likeness, what kind of impact do you see Title IX playing here? Because there have been a lot of questions around like, well, what about Title IX and how will Title IX work? What, what are some of your initial thoughts? 
Sure. So I think right now it's kind of hard to say how far reaching this Title IX analysis is going to go. I think sort of what we know right now in this proposed rule is that schools are being told that they can't play a part of this. They have to stay out of it. Schools are not allowed to be involved. And I think, you know, that broad sweeping rule is good as a starting point, but, you know, that schools also have to consider when they say that schools aren't allowed to be involved, the, the, the setup that a school has to implement to ensure that 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 they remain compliant with that rule. That's not as easy as it may sound. Mm. No, that's, that's, that's interesting. So, so, okay. So first let's, let's break that down a little bit. So one of the things that, that Jillian had mentioned was that schools, you know, kind of have to quote unquote, stay out of it. And what that means is, is that the way the, the recommendation um, of rules looks is that schools aren't going to be able to do any type of joint marketing or or group licensing where a player and the school together um, are reflected in marketing opportunities and, and marketing agreements. And there's going to be a separation, right? And, and, and part of that is for the fairness overall, the fairness and equity of different schools, some schools who have you know considerably more resources than other schools. They don't want these rules to create this truly unfair recruiting landscape uh, among schools. So that's kind of the the staying out of it piece that Jillian had mentioned. And so when you think about equitable treatment, going back to your to your previous point, I, I do think that that's where it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, right? I mean, now listen, to all the, the viewers and listeners out here, listen, I know that you, you tune in so that you can get some answers. Well, sometimes we can't always give you answers, but we can give you some thoughts and some some concepts that we're thinking about. So I guess, you know, when you think about potential equitable treatment, Jillian, what would that look like in a name, image, and likeness context? Are we talking about, you know, making sure the same same uh, educational opportunities, you know, making sure that if the school is going to provide speakers or third parties to come in and educate or to come in and help in the, maybe the development of a player's brand, would that, is that the kind of equitable treatment that we're, that we're talking about? So I think for purposes of Title IX, when we're talking about equitable treatment through the lens of athletics, uh, we want to be sure to know that doesn't mean that schools have to be dollar for dollar invested in both uh, male student athletes and female student athletes. But some important things that schools are going to be thinking about in ensuring that they are complying with Title IX while still, you know, allowing this name image likeness opportunity are things like you know, if, if a school has um, one of their members of their board of directors who's also involved in a nonprofit organization and that nonprofit wants to hire a student athlete to come speak and be compensated for that speaking, um, the question that schools are going to be asking themselves is, is that far enough removed to ensure that they are still complying with the rule that they are not allowed to be involved in this name image likeness process? Now, see, as a lawyer, I get all fired up, right, when we when we talk about these hypotheticals, because this is this is where we live, right? We live in these kind of of, of scenarios, and I think that that scenario is is really an interesting one, right? Like, how far removed is it going to be? And I think what that goes to is this broader point of the first kind of couple years, I think, of of a new name, image, and likeness regime in college sports is it's going to be a lot of figuring things out. I think there are secondary tertiary events that are going to come up 
that the NCAA, the rulemaking authority is going to have to provide comment on to say this is or this isn't a violation because we all know for for everyone who sits on a board, uh, you know, whether it's a nonprofit board or what have you, you, you're usually signing some type of conflict of interest policy and things like that. And and so then the question does become to your point, you know, Jillian, is what what then happens if you have, you know, someone who is on the board and then wants to hire an athlete to do something, is that person, you know, are they acting in their capacity as a board member? They're acting in their capacity, you know, as as being on the board itself or on another organization. So so some challenges there. I think kind of lastly, the, you know, the one thing I, I think I'd like to to maybe just discuss for a second is just the idea of fairness, right? So so we've got legal equity, we've got the the law as it relates to Title IX, but I think a lot of times when people ask the question about Title IX and what impact Title IX would have um, in a name, image, and likeness environment, I do think that the underlying question really is fairness, right? The underlying question is, is this going to be something that is going to have a negative impact on uh, women's sports? Is it something that could have a negative impact on individual women athletes? And I think that that that's part of the underlying question. We listen. I, I you know I don't have the statistics in front of me, but we know that when you look at the professional ranks, that male professional athletes are making considerable times over and over what what women professional athletes are making when it relates to endorsement deals and and, and other opportunities. But I do think, from a fairness perspective, I do think that opportunities. For all athletes, male and female, revenue producing or revenue generating sports or non-revenue producing sports and Olympic sports, etc., will still have the same opportunities for things like camps, clinics, appearances, maybe autographs or speaking engagement opportunities where maybe they can make, you know, make some money off of those. And from that perspective, I think that the that the fairness is going to exist in this model. Any thoughts on that, on the idea of kind of that underlying kind of current that, that may be driving some of those questions, Jillian? Sure, sure. So I, I think you're exactly right, Luke. I think, I think the model in which this is being uh, set up contemplates fairness. I think the, the risk or the speculation about what may happen is what happens when the market takes over and, and the money drives where this whole process ends up. And so the question then becomes, is the market involvement going to then overshadow the overarching concept of Title IX? Um, And is the economy gonna take it in a different direction despite best efforts by the NCAA, Congress, um, schools themselves? Um, And that sort of remains to be seen. So, um, you know, that's one of those things that I think as this continues, we're going to be monitoring the legal ramifications. Um, you know, there, there was a class action suit filed by a group of uh, athletes just not too long ago about this, this issue um, alone. So things that we're going to sort of keep a really close eye on. And I imagine that these organizations are going to need to keep checking in. And this is going to evolve over time. And our hope is that uh, as things continue, that all of these organizations keep an eye on Title IX to ensure that no matter what the end result, that a fair uh, and appropriate opportunity is given to all student athletes. Yeah. I mean, well said. I, I think that's that's absolutely spot on. We are in this place where 
We know name, image, and likeness changes are coming. We know that state laws have been um, enacted, California, Colorado, Florida, and and a handful of other states um, who have uh, legislation pending um, as it relates to the compensation of athletes. And so we know the change is coming, and it's just a matter of, as we keep taking steps forward, making sure that all parties involved are monitoring and understanding the various aspects that are going to ultimately affect the student athlete. Um, and so clearly we'll be doing that from a legal perspective. Um, this was just a, a bit of a taste, but as we continue to understand more and more about what the rules look like, Jillian, I'm sure we will be talking again more um, about Title IX, the impact as it relates to name, image, and likeness, and, and really just the overarching fairness you know, argument that, that we want to make sure um, applies to everyone participating in that name, image, and likeness space. So Jillian Bradshaw, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. It's always good to uh, always good to hear your voice and get your insights. Luke, thank you for having me. This has been super fun. I cannot wait to get back together to keep talking about this. Let's do it. Sounds good. Well, again, I'm Luke Fedlam. This is the Protecting Your Possibilities podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to talking again soon. Order Right Morrison Arthur LLP offers this content for informational purposes only as a service for our clients and friends. The content of this publication is not intended as legal advice for any purpose, and you should not consider it as such. It does not necessarily reflect the views of the firm as to any particular matter or those of its clients. Please consult an attorney for specific advice regarding your particular situation.